Maybe like a vacation. Yeah, if only. It'll never happen. No. <sighs> okay. We're going to the beach this weekend. <laughs> Hold on, you changed your mind quickly on that vacation. <laughs> Just me and you, Daniel. Uh-huh. Me and you going to the beach. How many cameras should I bring? I want to know what the upper bound is. How many cameras could you bring if you chose to bring all of them? Okay, I would not bring all of my cameras, but I could bring two, three, four, five. I could bring like six cameras. Be a lot so of cameras. let's say like top top is is six. I'm not yeah. bringing six cameras, Daniel. Yeah, that that would be too many cameras. I think. Yes, almost as many lenses as you have. Yes. I feel like one to two cameras is the right number of cameras for a beach trip. And the reason I say two is because you could bring a carry around camera and a bigger, more serious camera. So here's where I'm at. (laughs) So I've got four cameras in my bag right now that I'm planning on bringing. I'm going to bring a digital camera. X-T3 probably. Maybe X-H2S. Probably X-T3. But I'm also going to bring my Minolta. Because I have a half-finished roll of uh, Kodak Ultra 400 in there that I want to finish. But I have these other rolls of film, and I haven't wanted to shoot those rolls through the Hymatic camera. I want to shoot them through my Canon because I think I'm going to get better. Like, the lens is just better. And so I want to... And they're, like, lower ISO, and so I want to be able to control the exposure more. And so I like, I, I got to bring, like, the Canon... Or the Minolta, my other Minolta, not the Hymatic. One of those film cameras if I want to shoot one of my other stocks. And so now I'm at like three cameras. That's a lot of cameras. And so do I just not worry about bringing the Hymatic and shooting the rest of that Ultra and just shoot that later and then bring one film camera and one digital camera? Or do I bring two film cameras yes, and what one if digital you, camera? What if you only brought two film cameras, no digital camera? That seems like an option. That'd be pretty hardcore. Yeah. It would. <laughs> it would be on brand for where this podcast has gone. <laughs> I'm not on that level yet, Daniel. Uh, I don't have that much so. confidence in my in my film shooting abilities. <laughs> I don't know. I think you should do it. I think you should. Uh, I think you should leave the digital camera at home and uh, try going film only. Wait. So that means bringing one camera or two cameras. I feel like you can justify too because okay. the the Hymatic is smaller, so maybe you would take that with you. Or everywhere. wear that one around my neck and then have the other one in the bag. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what you should do. I mean, it is a good opportunity to if you want to try out your films in a different scenario than what you're normally in. Trying them at the beach makes sense. It makes sense that you can't like you can't simultaneously shoot two different rolls of film through the same camera. So. I want to I want to shoot that Phoenix that Harmon Phoenix stuff mm. this weekend. I think that's what I want to do. Uh, Which definitely means I'm bringing the Canon and probably like probably just one lens because I have the 28 millimeter, I have the 50 millimeter. I don't have a lot of lenses for that kit. <laughs> it's just the two and the zoom. I have a zoom. I probably just bring. Oh no, I don't know which one I would bring. Would I bring the 28 or would I bring the 50? Oh geez, 50 is kind of faster. Mm, man, I haven't really thought about this too much. I do like the 28 because it's wider. 28 is wider than 50. Can I'll confirm. Pr- probably bring the 50. So like I can do the 50 in the Canon. And then the Hymatic is 38. That's really close to 50 actually. Which one's farther away? Is 28 millimeters farther away from 38 or is 50 millimeters farther away from 38? 
Definitely 50 by a whole two millimeters. But like proportionally, you know, like how how 16 and 18 are way different yep. than like 75 and 100. Mm, that's true. I feel like 28 has got to be like way wider. I got a lot to figure out, Daniel. Yeah. I got like a few days and I just have a lot to figure yeah, out. Yeah, I don't know how you're going to make this decision. It's going to be a game time decision. <laughs> I'm going to be standing there with cameras in my hand, like trying to figure out which one to put in my bag. I mean, you're doing that now. You're still going to be doing that two days from now. <laughs> You're not wrong. Welcome back to the Camera Gear Podcast. I'm Daniel. And I'm Lucas. And we're here today to talk about the gear, software, and techniques we use to shoot photos and video. As we record this, there was a Fuji Summit today. Yeah. Well, for us, it was last night. It started at 11.30 p.m. Mm-hmm. our time last night. Mucho, mucho exciting. Yeah. So let's talk about film developing. <laughs> Obviously, yes. <laughs> they talked about film at the Fujifilm X Summit. Yeah. So, you know, same mm-hmm. same Just thing. Like a simulation. Like we're all living in a simulation. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like that. So I couldn't remember if we had talked about this already when I was listening back to the last episode. No. I was like, oh, I guess we haven't. I developed my first roll of film, Daniel. Big step. Huge. You've been talking about that for a long mm-hmm. time. We're finally there. I did it, and I'm super proud of myself. And how'd it go? It it went just fine. I don't think I stained anything. And, yeah, I don't know. It went good. Like, So you did this with your shoebox, lightbox thing, right? You're, ta- you're talking about scanning. I, I mean, like, I bought like, I the whole kit, right? So I have, I have three different, like, containers that are compressible because okay so like whenever you make the chemicals you can buy it in powder form and in powder form it just lasts but whenever you make the chemicals they like air using them as development like they'll oxidize and that sort of thing so like they don't last forever and so you want them to last as long as possible so you don't want to expose them to light you don't want to expose them to air and then they'll, they'll last longer or whatever and so i bought these bottles that are like accordions and they can stretch in and out oh. And uh, the things that I learned whenever making, because these are these are one liter bottles and they're one liter mixtures of chemicals. And the two things that I learned are that powder has volume, and that uh, if you if you take a squishy bottle and you squish it down and then like put the cap on it so that it holds that position, it doesn't always exactly spring back. You kind of have to like stretch it back. Mm, interesting. And the reason I tell you that is because I may have overfilled one of those things, and like <laughs> that was it's just the most staining magenta, whatever. And like I'm like. Getting this chemical over the place, I'm probably like, like oh man, I'm going to get like cancer yeah, or something. Yeah, that took some years off your life for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm, guaranteed. So that was a little bit of a situation. But <laughs> I'm like trying to hold the thing and like reach my finger into the bottle and like stretch it. Oh man. So I could gain more volume. So I could like <laughs> put the rest of the chemical in there. It was a little bit of a problem. Oh geez. The way that they tell you to do it is, is they say add 750 milliliters of water, put the powder in, stir it. And then add the rest of the water until you're up to a liter. The reason that why they tell you to do that, Daniel, is because powder has volume. <laughs> so you didn't do that, and you just added all the water at once. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so why you gotta follow the directions? I'm man. not a chemist, Daniel. Uh, clearly. <laughs> but yes. So what else did I learn? So I, I made I made my chemicals, and there's just a developer, and there's a fixer, and then you don't have a I don't have a stopper because like the newer film, like this this specific. I was using the Cinestills stuff and they don't have a stopper and that's fine. Mm-hmm. And like I bought a bag and 
I bought a, a film retrieval thing. So like they make these these I don't know doodads that were it, it it slides a piece into the film like you told your film canister and like you stick this thing up to it and then you push a push the lever and it pushes like a tong into the film canister and then like you roll the film then you push the other tong into the film canister and then you like pull it and you can pull the lead of the film out oh. so like after you fill it finish the film you can kind of like pull that film lead out sure and then uh, the Patterson tank that I have which is a like light sealed tank where you wrap the film around the thing and then you put it in the tank then you put the lid on the tank and then you can pour liquid in and out but light doesn't get in oh interesting and so like once you once you roll the film on the roll and then you put it in there and you put the, the the first top on your light sealed and then you can do all your development then the light and then whenever you're done you can take it out you dry it or whatever but the thing is you have to get it on the roll in total darkness yeah so how do you do that and so like i was going to get the lead out of the film and then start it on the roll and then I have this like bag. It's like a black bag with arms, kind of uh, if you imagine like a scientist. Yeah. Uh, yeah where they I, like I reach you. into into like a glass tank. It's like mm-hmm. that, but a black bag. Uh-huh. And so you put everything in the black bag and then like you reach in, and you do the thing in total darkness where you can't see. And just that sounds pretty hard. It was, I, I, I recorded the entire process and it took an hour. <laughs> and there's like. Do the, I wait just that one part no, or the whole development? The whole thing. The okay. whole thing. And I, it was, it's, it's kind of funny watching it back and like. I'm just sitting there staring off into space, like a thousand yard stare, like with and like you see my hands <laughs> in this bag and they're just like twiddling around and I'm just staring off into nothing. You're just scheming. Just like very intently. I'm like, <laughs> anyways. You so. should uh, turn that into a time lapse and post that somewhere. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> anyway, uh, I couldn't get the lead out to, to like put it on there. And so I had to like start put everything in there, get a bottle opener and break the film canister. Oh, wow. Which is like, like it just pops off, right? Uh-huh. Sort of. And I break the film canister and then like, like put the lead into the, the catch thing and then, then roll it. Basically like the, the thing that the film rolls onto, it can, like turns a little bit each way. And so it's like, click, 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 click. And you kind of like walk the film in. Oh, I see. But you have to like get it into the lead first. Right. And, oh boy. That sounds like a pain. So it sounds like that little tool you got didn't really work. It didn't really work. I think I'm just bad at it. I watched all the YouTube videos on how to use one of those extractors. Mm-hmm. I'm, I can't figure it out. Yeah. Maybe next time. Maybe it was just that one roll of film. Yeah. I'll try it again next time. So yeah, I did all that and I like got it all into the canister and then like I did the thing and like you like turn it, you like do it, turn it four, four times, you wait 30 seconds, you turn it four times, you wait 30 seconds. And like, you have to get all the math just right. And, you know, here the temperature is, uh, the water is 95 degrees. And so like, I make sure that, what is it? The temperature of the chemicals are like 95 degrees. And so I have a bath of water that has a fish tank heater in it. And then I put the chemicals in the fish tank to make sure that they're all the right temperature and everything's 95 degrees. Mm-hmm. Cause I mixed it at 95. Sure. Uh, or a hundred or whatever. And then that's like, yeah, you can do the development. So this sounds like a pretty hands-on process. It's not like you stick it in there and let it cook for 30 minutes. You're having no. to, for as long as it takes, you're having to do stuff pretty constantly. It, yeah, exactly. You can do it at room temperature, but it takes like eight hours. Ah, uh, yeah. You wouldn't want that. You basically would have to turn it every, like every 20 or 30 minutes for mm-hmm. like eight hours. No, that doesn't sound It'd good. It'd be ridiculous. Yeah. But at 95 degrees, it's like eight minutes or something, or like uh, three minutes. And so you kind of like count to 30 and go swoosh, 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 swoosh. And look, watch the clock, 30 seconds, swoosh, 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 swoosh. 
Do you feel like you could get pretty fast at this if you did it more? No, I think it would take exactly as long as it takes. I think that well, like, you might get faster at putting the film in the little. I think uh, that tank. I could probably do it in like twenty or thirty minutes, as far as like getting everything taken out and like getting it all up to temperature and getting prepared and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So I think it all worked, and I I recovered all the chemicals and I rinsed the film off and I hung it to dry, and it all came out. And so after you, you you hang it up to dry, and then I mean, how long do you have to dry for? Uh, two hours to like a day. Oh, Most people say like time. I developed it last night. I scanned them in the morning. Okay. Or I developed it in the morning. I scanned them at night. It yeah. kind of depends upon how much humidity and how quickly they dry, uh, because like you can still have developer developer like in the film that hasn't totally dried yet, uh, and so you can have issues if you if you scan it too early. I see. And so then you you wait for it to dry, which mm-hmm. maybe takes up to a day. Yeah. And well, then once that's done, you have to scan it with your little shoebox. Right. Most people say that uh, like you should hang it in the shower because that's a dust-free environment and that you should hang it as long as your partner doesn't need to use the shower. <laughs> so just don't take showers very often. Yes, you got time Easy. it. Easy. Time the shower. Anyway, and then I, I took my shoebox situation, which I talked about last time. Yep. I built a shoebox, Daniel. Mm-hmm. I took a shoebox. I covered it with white paper, white printer paper on the inside. I put a newer panel light in it. Cranked it up to full brightness. I cut a hole in the top, the size of a 35 millimeter film. And then I took two strips of cardboard and made a guide for it so that I could like set the film on it and like scoot it across. And then I set up my camera on a tripod with a macro lens over top and like just figured it out. And I took pictures of every single picture that I scanned and it totally worked. This sounds like so much work start to finish. I mean, I think I started at like two o'clock and I think I had everything scanned and all set by like five. So like a solid three hours of work. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you must not have had to let it dry for very long. Then. There were some like breaks in there. Like I, it took me like two to three or two thirty three through or something like that to do this film. And then like I made dinner, let it dry, whatever. And then, you know, like maybe I got my timeline wrong. Like five or six or seven, I went back and I scanned everything. It mm-hmm. took me like 20 minutes to scan everything. And then I had to deal with it in the, in the processing. Yeah. Which... I was talk, I talking about an app that I used to, to do this, and I like super misquoted the price of that app. <laughs> uh, I think I used Film Lab, and it's like, I don't know, like three, I'm pulling it up right now, it's $35 a year, which is pretty reasonable. Yeah, that's not too bad. But if you pay for it monthly, it's like $5 a month. Mm. And so I was like, I'll pay, I'd pay $35 a yeah. year. And then I was like, oh, I'm just going to go ahead and use all my free, my free scans, because like it'll let you do some for free and uh the software has a bug what's the bug well so like if you click on an image it'll like take one of your free scans but if you do like select all and then you hit convert and then you just mass convert all of them at once it doesn't count as a scan oh weird and so i uh i kind of accidentally did all of my pictures for free (laughs) that's a convenient bug Mm -hmm. and i was like i'm gonna subscribe next time yeah good plan so because I already have all my pictures. Well, how'd the pictures come out, the ones that you developed? They came out okay. I mean, do you feel like if they didn't, you know, okay is not great. It's also not terrible. Do you feel like your development, you know, negatively impacted the pictures? Or was the reason they were not great more about something like the camera? I think that I successfully developed them and I feel very good about the process and my scans and like, sure, there might be a few spots here. Maybe it's not perfect, but I think uh, I, I'd give myself an A on uh, all of the 
developing and scanning. I'm kind of surprised by that. I would have thought that it'd be a challenging process that, you know, you'd need to experiment a few times to get it right. I feel like you have to be really careful, but I was very happy with those results. I think that the Hymatic lens is not very good. It's, It's believable. It's okay. But like when I look at the shots that I've taken, like and most of those were lower noise. But like if I look at the Porta 400 and the Ektar 100 shots that I've taken on my Canon camera, they are much better images than similar shots that I've taken on the Minolta Hymatic AF2. And I think it's just purely a matter of optics and how good that camera is at setting the exposure and that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean... The Hymatic seems like it prioritizes being super easy to use and small, and those are things that don't always go hand-in-hand with image quality. Whereas those images look a lot closer to what I would get out of a disposable camera, like an actual film disposable camera. The images that I get out of my uh, AE-1 Canon look closer to what I might get out of uh, like a Fujifilm X-T2 or something. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. So super happy with the process. Still, I got to shoot more film, develop it, yep. and I have to do it before my developer goes bad or else the, my uh, cost ratio calculation will get really more expensive. Yeah. Well, I mean, the one advantage to this process is it seems like it's pretty hands-on, takes you a few hours to do, but I mean, you can you could reasonably shoot film in the morning and develop it that day, Yeah. whereas when you take it to the camera store, you have to pay them money and you have to wait days to get it back. Oh, yeah. It's like a week. It's, I'm not... I think I don't think I've had one take a whole week, but usually it was like five or six days. Yeah. Well, and then there's a time of like you having to go over there, which that may not happen immediately. Mm-hmm. And then you have to go pick it up. So, yep. I mean, it seems like a win. If you want to shoot film, it seems like learning how to develop it and getting the stuff is probably worth it. Yeah. It cuts down a lot of costs. It cuts down on time, sort of, at least on getting things developed. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm yeah, excited it. cuts about down it. on your timeline. It does not cut down on your time spent. No, but that's correct. I'm happy with it. And I'm looking forward to the next one I'm developing. And on the saga of the scanner, did I tell you this? I think you said that you were hoping to get it by the end of the month. My my aunt is coming to visit and is bringing the scanner. Pretty exciting. Yeah. That's going to make that pro- part of the process a lot simpler. Mm-hmm. I am super pumped about getting that scanner, yeah. which is why I have to shoot all those rolls this weekend, yeah. Daniel. Yeah, you got to have uh, stuff to scan. I need to shoot like two rolls of film. That's, a, that's I, a lot of pictures, Daniel. I don't know if you can do it. It's like, hold on, I'm doing math. It's like 50 pictures. You're going to have to hold one camera in each hand and just be snapping don't constantly. Be crazy. Don't be crazy. Anyway, very fun. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're uh, making progress on that effort. Mm-hmm. I'm, a big, I'm just a big film guy now. I'm developing my yeah, own film. It's very apparent. Scanning it. Got like film cameras. Yeah. We're, we're all here for it, whether we want to be or not. <laughs> All right, let's talk about let's talk about Fujifilm. Yep, yeah, because that's what everybody's really here for. Like <laughs> everyone that downloaded this episode, they didn't want to hear anything about film. No, well, they, they just want to hear about Fujifilm. I know it's maybe uh, too late, but there were chapter markers. Well, now now you tell them. <laughs> now you tell them. Yeah, I probably should probably should mention that up front. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe it's better you don't. Who knows? Oh, well, who knows? Yep. So yeah, the X summit happened. Um, I guess. As of this recording, you know, I don't know, almost 12 hours ago, something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, so everyone's already seen all the things and got all the content and whatever, and they don't care about yeah. us at all. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's they all, still care. It's all old news. They've just survived your entire film discussion. I think they care. Okay, maybe they care a little bit. Yeah. All right, What? give, give me the give me the top headlines. Like, what What was the deal with this X-Summit? What did they announce? Well, we, we knew they were 
likely to announce a new X100, and they did that. That's probably the biggest announcement. They also announced some firmware updates and um, a update to the lens roadmap. So those three interesting things to talk about there. I think that last week, I feel like I set some pretty high stakes for this X Summit. I think you did. I was like, this is going to be the formative Fuji event, for my opinion, of the company. Yeah. Indefinitely. So I, I, I remember hearing that too. And do you want to give that... Like, do you want to give that assessment now or do you want to talk about the stuff and then give that assessment of whether you think that it... I think, like, let's, I think let's talk about it a little bit. Let's let's get through the stuff here. Okay. So let's let's talk let's talk about the X100. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Super, How, super hype. Did they, did they say it out loud on stage? I don't know if they did or not. I've heard people call the X100 6. I haven't heard anyone call it X100 VI. Let's, I don't... I, well, let's call it the X100 6. I think that's a good... Uh, good I name. think that that's hard to say. It kind of is because it makes you want to say X one hundred six. I get, I get why they did it. I understand that the X one hundred V branding is so critical that you ju- you just have to you have to stick with the Roman numerals. Like there wasn't there wasn't a choice. Yeah, I think they could have gone X one hundred X. Yeah, I don't know. That's kind of hard to say too, though. It's easier to say than X one hundred six. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I mean, most people are just going to write it down anyway. Rather than, you know, I mean, how often do people, how often do people talk about cameras and say the name of cameras? <laughs> well, I don't know, Daniel. Oh, geez, we're the only ones with this problem. I guess. I guess so. Yeah. Well, like all the other ones made sense. Yeah, I know. I got the got the F and the and the R. I don't remember what they were called actually. <laughs> Maybe they didn't make as much sense. S. As the S was the second one, and then T was the third one. Yep. So S T. F V. Yep. Those all made a lot more sense than, yeah. I don't know. Anyway. So pretty much what was rumored, right? 40 megapixel sensor, I think was, you know, we had seen some rumors about Mm -hmm. that. There were a lot of hopes around that for sure. Um, you know, I mean, largely the, the body looks the same as, as what it was before. So they took the powertrain from the X T five and they stuck it in the body of the X 100 V. That's kind of, kind of what it feels like and that's i mean that's what i wanted yeah i they didn't seem to mention whether or not they added crop modes which was something that i really wanted them to do i thought that with the with that extra resolution mm -hmm, if you're comparing this which why wouldn't you to a leica q3 it's 63 megapixel 60 megapixel sensor and it's whatever by default 27 millimeter and but it can shoot or is it 35 and then, but it can shoot at like multiple different crops. Yeah. In camera, and like I get, you can crop it in post, but pretty cool. Yeah, that would have been a great feature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is because it's basically like it is basically the same body. Mm-hmm. It is. It has the the really cool viewfinder that's rangefinder style, but you can flip a switch and bring up an LCD. It's got the same uh, shutter speed and ISO dial. That's like the same dial, but like yep. you pop up and then you can turn one, pop down, you turn the other. Still has the aperture on the lens. It is the same body. Yeah, I think it's like two millimeters thicker. Or something. Right, because they had the IBIS. So it's a little yeah. thicker, a little heavier. Mm-hmm. But like the screens, like they didn't upgrade the they didn't upgrade the resolution of the viewfinder. They didn't upgrade the resolution of the screen. They didn't change to the new battery. They didn't add UHS two card reading. Like they didn't do anything to this thing except for add the sensor and the processor from the XT five and IBIS. 
Yeah, well, yeah, and I think that that whole sensor IBIS unit is probably just an exact yeah, transplant. It probably is, yeah. Because that was one of the things that they were super pumped about with the X-T5 was like, the X-T4 was a lot bigger than the mm-hmm. X-T3. And they, oh, you know, we, we people wanted IBIS, like, now you have to deal with it. And a lot of the complaint before the X-T4 was like, there's, these systems are just too big, and we wanted to have combat cameras. Yep. And they were finally able to, like, get over that hump, and that was one of the big selling points with the X-T5 was how small the IBIS system was. Yeah. So they're using, and, and by the way, the the only other difference I know of physically is that the tilt screen's a little bit better. I think it can tilt down more and it can pull out farther from the body. That's correct, yes. So you get a few little improvements there. But yeah, I mean, this feels like the classic Fuji strategy to me where they like to they like to develop a technology and then use it in as many different cameras as possible and basically let you buy different form factors for the same internals. Yep. That is that's their move and I'm into it. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, because I mean, th- like you said, this is basically an XT5 that's smaller and doesn't have interchangeable lenses. And in traditional Fuji fashion, they brought as absolutely much as they can with those components. Yeah. So like, it has all of the same focus modes, and it has the improved autofocus stuff from the GFX 100, the second. I got it. And like, it has all of those all of those fancy, fancy features and mm-hmm. like all the film simulations and everything that's come before it, but like crammed back into this one, it can shoot 6K video. It can yep. shoot 422. It's got basically like if it could do it, if the hardware supported it, they brought it to it. Yeah, which is pretty neat. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, I don't know how many people are going to shoot 6K video on their X100 Who knows? 6, but it's neat that you have the option. I would, I think that when they look at the crop factors, it's going to be less. The UHS card reader and the battery and the heat dissipation are pretty limiting on this specific model. Yeah. And so like the, like the, what is it? The 4K60 has a crop, obviously, but it's like a 1.1 or something, 1.18. And then the 6K is even more so. So at 40 megapixels, we're looking at an 8K resolution. The 6K readout off of this thing is pixel for pixel. It's not doing any oversampling mm, at all. So it's and so gonna, it's going to be a crop. Yeah, you're cropping it at almost like 2x, right? Yeah. You're you're smaller than micro four thirds probably whenever you're looking at that 6K video. But it's 422 and, and F-Log. Yeah. So. Pretty cool. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it seems good. I, you know, there was a time, I think one of the past episodes where we talked about this camera, I wasn't sure if I was going to pre-order one or not. I ended up not. Uh, I mean, for one thing, I didn't want to stay up late, but I don't know. It, I think it's a cool camera, but I guess ultimately I don't think it's the camera for me. But you're still going to pre-order one, though, right? <laughs> no. No, I'm not. You're telling me I'm the only one on this podcast that pre-ordered one? Oh, man. Did you really? No, I didn't. I didn't think so. <laughs> if you did, I know you would have gotten the 90th anniversary special edition one. Wait, what? Yeah, so they did announce a anniversary special edition because this is the 90th year of, I guess, a Fujifilm. It has to be a Fujifilm. And they, they're only making 1,934 of them because that's the year Fuji was founded. Okay. Yeah. I'm into it. Yeah. I don't, I, 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 so you can only pre-order that one from Fujifilm directly, not from any other retailers. And I didn't actually look up a picture of the camera, but the impression I got was that the camera itself didn't look different, but it had a different box. I, I, but they made a Disney one. (laughs) I know. What are we doing? Yeah. They're just giving everyone the definitive version of the X-106. 
Hmm. Everyone gets the special edition colors. Fine. I don't know. Fine. Eh, that's not that's dumb. I yeah. need I need it to be more special, Daniel. Yeah. I want it to be gold. <laughs> I want it to be like shiny gold. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine? Yeah, I can. <laughs> like one of like one of Saddam Hussein's guns. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um I don't know if we said it it is sixteen hundred dollars. Right. So yeah, so sixteen hundred. Two hundred dollars more than it used to be. I feel like it's it's a hard for someone who's already in Fuji World, maybe hard. Like yeah. to, for me specifically I for mean, me, I feel the same way. Who else are we talking about? We're just, we're only talking about me right now, Daniel. <laughs> You're so selfish. The XT5 is basically the same price. Yeah, basically. And that's a camera that you can change lenses on. Like, I mean, in a lot of ways, it's a better camera. Well, it, well, yeah, it's a better camera. But and it's not smaller, right? If you're looking for something portable, but yeah. for, and you can't get a twenty-seven millimeter f two lens, twenty-three millimeter f two, twenty-three millimeter f two lens. Thank you. You get one point four, but then it'd be huge. The twenty-seven is two point eight. Anyways, but for me, I already have all the lenses. Like I have so many Fuji lenses, Daniel. Do you want me to list them all? I have so many. <laughs> We'd be here forever. We've done that before. Yeah, it's true. We did. I ranked them. What episode was that? <laughs> and I forgot one when I ranked them. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> Anyways, so like for me, oh man, what like I I it's too hard not to not to get like an XT5. But if I if I was boy, if when we all switch to Lumix, maybe I maybe when I sell my Fuji kit, I buy an, an X100. Yeah, I mean that's kind of where I land on it too because I. I was interested in this camera and I was thinking maybe this is my new travel camera. Maybe I get rid of the X-T30 yeah. and go with this. Yeah. And then I realized I really like being able to change lenses. And for me, having a second camera that I can use as a B cam for some sort of you know video shoot and I could potentially put a longer lens on it or I could stick a wide lens on it and use it on a gimbal. Like I like that flexibility. And ultimately for me, I think that's more important than having the ultimate portability. But at the same time, I really like Fuji's overall philosophy of film simulations and more about using shots right out of camera and not doing a lot of editing. And like those were the things that kind of draw me, drew me to Fuji to right. begin with. And so I'm kind of in the same boat. If I was to switch to Lumix for video, which seems like a possibility for me, I could definitely see selling all my Fuji stuff and then just getting you know, this new X100 as my only Fuji camera and kind of like my casual photography camera. Well, you know, Daniel, you can get lenses for your X106. All of the old conversions, converters, conversions, conversion lenses that worked with X100V work with X106. You can take it to 50 millimeters. You can take it back to like, what is it, 16 or 18 or something. I do wonder what that actually does to the image quality. Makes it better. <laughs> Obviously. It's more vintage. I mean, it's, it adds magnification. It's essentially adding like cropper or, or yeah. speed to it. So yeah. I think that it is going to impact your f-stop mm-hmm. effectively. It has to, right? Yeah. So, But, I mean, like, there are options. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. But, I mean, it's not the same as being able to stick your 50 to 140 on there. No, it's not. But, like, it's it's, it's it feels like it's a totally different thing. Like, it the is. X100 is for that compact travel cam. And... I, to me, that was really appealing. You know, got some trips, you know, maybe later this year that this would be a pretty cool option for yeah. because of how small and portable it is. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it makes me sad that, yeah, I, I, it makes me sad that I, that I'm not getting one because I do think it'd be useful for stuff like that. But I just ultimately right now, I'd rather spend $1,600 on something else 
Yeah, and it, it's it's frustrating that like that's kind of where both of us land on this is like yeah, if I had six hundred dollars spent on camera gear, I probably would rather replace my XT3 with an XT5. Mm-hmm. But for this, like for this and what it is, I feel like if it was a thousand dollars, I would absolutely buy one. Yeah, like nine hundred, and maybe they lose out on some sales because of that. But I do think that like it's still really desirable camera, and I think you get a very premium camera at sixteen hundred. And I'm like, I think you get $1,600 worth of camera. I agree. And if you think about, like, if you're not in Fuji's ecosystem, you're trying to get into this world. Like, if you're looking at an F2 lens at, at what do you say, 23 millimeters, like, you're going to be spending, that's like a $600 lens for Fuji. Yeah. Or maybe a little more, 850, you know, at that speed. I think they have an F2, they have an F235 that ran for like 350. So call it 350. Mm-hmm. If you take that price out, you're looking at maybe $1,200 for the camera itself, which yeah. is XS20 XT30 territory, basically, where they were selling those. So like the pricing as far as camera plus lens makes total sense. I don't yeah. know how they could really do it cheaper unless they started cutting costs of components and the components are already not that expensive. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's pretty reasonably priced. It's just more than I would want to pay. Yeah, and that's kind of where I like land too is... Like I would, I really, really want like a fixed lens point and shoot camera. And we, like, we've talked about it ad nauseum and I got into film over the whole thing. And like, I don't know, I'm probably just going to, I need to find like a, like a Roly 35. <laughs> I'm uh, interested to see, I'm interested to see what happens with the used market for X100Vs because, you know, if, if you're somebody who uses an X100V all the time, then I think it's maybe easier to justify selling that and upgrading to this. But I have a feeling it's still going to be really high because there are so many people out there that overpaid for their X100. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think we're going to see those really come down in price. There's been a lot of like memes and stuff on the internet about like, oh man, the X100V bubble is going to bust. I think those things are still going to keep selling for over $1,200 from yeah. the used market for a while. I think you're probably right. I did see that, I think, I guess it was Fuji said that there's going to be plenty of stock, quote unquote, plenty of stock of the X106 at release. So we'll did see. You, do you want to mention why? No, go for it. Okay, so the the X100V was exclusively made in Japan. The X100. Oh, they even had that written on it, didn't they? The X106 is going to be made in China. Mm. And so they have more manufacturing capability, right? Sure. So by shifting the manufacturing to China, they're just going to produce more volume. Yeah. Now that you mentioned it, I do remember seeing something about that. Mm-hmm. It's probably also going to help their profit margins a little yeah. bit on it. Yeah, I bet so. I mean, ultimately, you know, you want people to be able to get the camera in their hands. And yeah. it's been confusing and frustrating that you just can't find one. So just I, I think can't. it's better that they're that they're producing more. It's the blue sky effect. Everyone wanted to be on it when it was invite only, but now it's open. <laughs> no one cares about blue sky. Same feeling for the X106. Once everyone has one, no one's going to care. Well, maybe at that point we can swoop in and pick one up. One could only hope. We'll keep an eye on it. Yeah. Keep our pulse on that X106 market or yeah. X100V market. Yeah. Overall, good release. One thing you didn't mention was that it still retains the four-stop ND filter. Oh, yeah. I did forget that. Which, now that this camera has IBIS, this is one of two cameras in the world with IBIS and internal NDs. <laughs> That's true. The other one being the Burano, right? That's right. Yeah. And uh, it makes me think about a certain company who said that that it was impossible. Yeah. Can't be done. Now we've seen it in both a Super 35 and a full frame variant. Yep. Come on, Blackmagic. Come on. (laughs) I mean, it's not a a detachable lens camera. So like, sure. Sure. But also a little embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yep. 
<laughs> but and but then also XH3 internal NDs. One can hope. <laughs> One can hope. Man, I would love that feature. Oh, I'm so pumped. That would that would be uh, a selling point for me. For oh sure. yeah, Just stay with Fujifilm for that one. Definitely. Okay, so it's X106 is exactly what it needed to be. It was exactly to the rumors. The my only gripes with it are, I know that is a small compact camera. Those 126WS batteries, come on, <laughs> they don't last very long, do they? Oh my gosh! Like, I know that it's a newer processor, and they're saying it rates for more shots than the old version. But like, I can shoot, I can shoot for hours on my XH2S, which has, will have the same processor as this camera with the new batteries. I can't even remember the number of off those because I don't ever take them out of the camera. Yeah, they're uh, W235. Right, thank you. The W235s, like, I can shoot an event where I'm doing, like, vid- like video and and photos. I can shoot for, like, three hours yeah. and be at 30, 40% on the battery. Mm-hmm. I can, We can shoot um, an hour of continuous 6K video, and I'm barely halfway through the battery. Yep. Those batteries are rock solid. With the X-T3 in like similar situations, I can do like 20 minutes of video. <laughs> if I'm going to an event, I'm like, I better have two batteries in my pocket. And it's going to be the same thing with this. It's like, you'll get your shots and it's a cool carry it in your pocket, but you know what else is in your pocket? Like two batteries. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. I mean, for a small camera like this, I do think it makes sense, but I agree with you. It'd be nice to see something better. Yeah, definitely. Firmware updates. Yes. And this is something that, you know, we had talked about in, in our in our hopes for the Fuji X Summit. It's like a broken record for us. We're always talking about, we wish we got some firmware updates. Why, why don't they bring any features to the existing cameras? All that stuff. And they announced some features for the X106 that I was immediately annoyed. And like, I want that on my camera. Mm-hmm. But then they started talking about firmware updates. Yep. So yep. they are bringing some features to the existing cameras. I mean, this was one of the things I complained about was like the X-H2S is still their flagship camera. Like it's it, it's got a stack sensor. It's got all the sweet video specs. Mm-hmm. Like that is, it's the bee's knees. You brought all these crazy video features to the, to the uh, GFX 100 too. Come on. Come on. Yep. Said can't, Reality Ace only works on only works on medium format. Works on the X106. <laughs> yep. All right. So here's what we're getting. Red frame recording indicator on the back screen. Super excited about that. Love it. 10 out of 10 on that feature. Frame.io camera to cloud update without file trans- transmitter grip. We need to talk more about that one, but I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> we got to talk about that one. Yeah. Okay. Touch to track video autofocus. Mm-hmm. Finally. <laughs> oh my gosh. Years, Daniel. <laughs> improved video AF tracking, right? Like, mm. and, you know, it's always cool. good. Always like, good to have some improvements yeah, there. The, there were some pretty good improvements with the uh, GFX 100. So nice to see those coming. Uh, better, better subject detection with electronic shutter. Yeah. Cool. Reality Ace. Finally getting it. Oh, man. Yeah. And those features, so, so they, they have a set of features that seem like they're coming to all their what they call fifth generation cameras, which is XT5, XS20, XH2, XH2S. And it seemed like all four of those cameras are getting some of those features. 
some were coming to just the XH2 and the XH2S, like the uh, red frame recording indicator, uh, but and the uh, camera cloud. Okay, but, okay. But yeah, like we're getting all those things that you mentioned for the XH2S. Awesome. Yep. I am so pumped. It's still not quite everything. Like, I'm holding out hope that we get waveforms and what else was it? They'll have like a, that time code feature. Yeah. Like, yep. Same here. I, I like to yeah. see all that stuff too. I, I want to see the rest of it. But this is this is a step in the right direction. It is. And like they released they released the the Bluetooth time code thing last month. It feels like they're working towards it, right? They're giving us a little bit at a time. Like, keep it coming. Well, I mean, it's just I'm happy to see it because it feels like a a nod to how they used to be, you know. And we were that's what we were complaining about was that it felt like they used to support these older cameras and now they aren't. And uh, this is good to see that they're they haven't totally forgotten those older cameras. Yeah, I mean, it's just the same thing. It feels like they just kind of got like got backlogged and like they kept releasing cameras and mm-hmm. it's just like that it was it was all forgotten about and it's really really good to see like hey, here's all this new stuff that we've been releasing. Let's bring it back to all the 5th gen thing. Yeah. Cuz that's the whole point of like they all have the same sensor processor combo. Like why can't they all do the same thing? Yeah. I agree. Here we are. Yep. And it's it's really nice to see that they're bringing it all the way down the line XT5, XH2 and XS20. Mhm. I'm excited about the red frame recording indicator because that is something where occasionally I'm recording stuff in my camera and I, I, I wasn't recording when I thought I was, whatever, and I just find the red frame to be easier to see. It is cool. it is much more obvious when you're recording mm-hmm. and it's nice that they have the tally that on the front and like that little flashing light on the back and like it has a little red record, but yeah, like for real, sometimes you just don't see it. Yeah. Yep. So that's great. Mm-hmm. Okay. They were when they released the XH2S, you had to buy a grip. You had to buy a thousand dollar grip. Yeah. To get the camera to cloud stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's a it, the file transmitter grip and it has Ethernet, it has Wi Fi. And yeah, for some reason, you had to buy that just to use camera to cloud. It, it, I mean, I think it still has some benefit in that if you want to hardwire it, it's there. Yeah. But boy, <laughs> if I bought that grip, I'd have been like, did I just waste my money? <laughs> Hold up. Yeah, so this was the thing where the X one hundred six was announced, and they, you know, they said it was going to have Wi Fi camera to cloud support with its built in Wi Fi. And I was when I read that, I was immediately like, "Well, I want that feature. Come on!" Mm-hmm. And, and then, fortunately, they are bringing it to yep, the XH two S. So, did they go into any more detail on what that means? Like, does that mean when you bring your camera within, if you're on a Wi Fi network with your camera, it's just going to transmit those photos? So I didn't actually watch that part of it, and I've ignored most of the camera cloud stuff up until now because it's been to, it's been a thousand dollars out of reach. Mm-hmm. So need to do some more research into it, but I'm pretty interested in this feature. Yeah, like I'm curious if it channels it through the phone or if it does it through the camera itself. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it says with the camera's Wi-Fi, so I mean, it sounds like it sounds like you just do it on the Wi-Fi network and then yeah. transmit them up. I mean, that'd be pretty cool. Would be pretty cool. I mean, we shoot events sometimes where it's like that it's an evening event and that night of the event or that day of the event or whatever, the client wants to be able to post some pictures on social media, just, you know, a couple of things to keep people hyped up, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I mean, that just feels like a perfect use case for oh this my gosh. where, you know, you could be at, one of us could be out there shooting, both of us out there shooting and the pictures are just uploading to frame.io and then somebody else is looking at those and picking out a couple of good ones and editing them. I mean, it'd be so nice. Oh, man, it'd be fantastic. Just yeah. do it live. Yep. There's very few cameras that are supporting that right now. 
And I know that for like last year during NAB, it was the, the like the big feature for Fujifilm. They were so pumped about their camera to cloud situation. If you look at if you look at the camera cloud website right now, the only cameras that support it are four Fujifilm cameras, which is the GF GFX one hundred the second, the X one hundred six, XH two, XH two S. I mean, yeah, they're, they're clearly right counting the, the file transmitter group. Um. The red V Raptor supports okay. it, and that's it. That's a very so. I mean, you can specific list. You can get uh, like if you have a Ninja, an Atomos Ninja with the Connect module, you can do it with that. Sure. There are a couple of other. There's something from Teradek that lets you do it. There are a couple of other third party things where you can use it with any camera, but in terms of cameras having it built in, it's just those. Right. I know that like the Black Magics will do their own Black Magic Cloud thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is it seems like now that's a direct competitor to the frame.io. Yeah, it does seem that way. Cloud, but still cool. Yeah. I so, mean, I want to try it out. I think it's neat. Yeah. I, I did look and it seems like you have to have a paid frame.io plan yes, to do this. Yes, you do. But you know, I it's I mean that I was always interested in the feature. It was just, you know, I didn't want to buy a thousand dollar accessory for my camera just to do it. So. Yeah, for sure. So now I we can try it out. Yeah. See how it goes. Pretty neat. It is very cool. Are you excited about Real Ace? Yeah. Oh yeah. You like those film simulations. I mean, people say that it is it's like better than Provia. You know? Man, that's a big it's a bold statement. I mean Provia is like the like what what do I shoot if I don't know what to shoot? Like what's standard? Yeah. It's Provia. Mm-hmm. And Real Ace is like supposed to be, you know, as good. It's a great like default stock. A lot of people shot it for that and like they tried to, you know, get as close as they could. I'm really excited. I think that the photos that I've seen for Real are pretty cool. And I could see myself defaulting to that. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll see. I mean, I we'll have get the chance to try it. I have two patches on my bag for Fujifilm simulations. One of them's a Turner, and one of them's Classic Chrome. <laughs> I love Classic Chrome. I would love to buy a Rila patch, and I haven't looked to see if they're going to update their patch lineup. <laughs> and also, I don't know if it's Riala, Rila. Who knows? Relay. This is worse than the name of the camera. You just don't know how to say it. I mean, you would say real, like R like R E A L. You say real. You don't say real. Reala. So is it Reela? Real real. I don't know. Reala. Reela. Who who knows? Could be anything. It's people making up words. Okay. As far as my thoughts on this, and we haven't even talked about the lens roadmap situation. Which they said they updated their lens roadmap. They announced one lens. Yeah, but it was an important lens. I'm like, where's the lens roadmap? Yeah, I this is an important lens. I don't agree with the compromise. That yeah, they so to make. so basically, they announced an update to the 1855 f2.8 to f4, which some would say is one of the more more better kit lenses you could get. Yeah, it's I think that's the lens. phrase I've seen is that it's a more better kit lens. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's yeah. a really good kit lens. And the one they announced that they're going to be replacing it with is a 16 to 50 f2.8 to f4.8. So the the minimum aperture is getting worse. What do you think about that, Daniel? I don't like it. I, you know, I'm curious to see why. I mean, because in terms of the numbers, this lens is worse in every way, right? Like it's, I guess it's slightly wider, but you can't zoom as far in and your aperture is worse. So 
I just, I have to imagine that they're doing this because it's smaller or it has better image quality, but I don't know. I mean, I feel like on APS-C, aperture is really important and there's a pretty big difference between F4 and F4.8. There is a pretty big difference between F4 and F4.8. I totally agree. And seeing this not be F4 on the high end makes it on the face of it feel cheap. Yeah. Which, I mean, you know, it's a kit lens. Maybe that's understandable. I think that it's it's a Fuji lens. It's going to be sharp. I have every bit of sense that this is going to be a really good lens. And I think that the compromise that they made here, it seems fairly obvious to me. Like, they have a box, as we've mentioned before, on one of the engineer's desks. And if the lens doesn't fit in the box, it can't sell it. Yeah. And in order to get to 16 millimeters... In this and for the zoom, and it still fit in the box and not be ungainly heavy or huge, the uh, you have to sacrifice on the aperture. Yeah. And for some reason, they thought that 18 millimeters wasn't wide enough. And I'm 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 a little curious on that because, for instance, they haven't replaced the 16 millimeter prime. The 16 1.4 is quite long in the tooth. And all of the cheaper versions of that lens and all the new versions of that lens are 18 millimeters. Yeah. And 16 to 18 is substantial. I think that the difference between 16 and 18 is more than the difference between 50 and 55. Interesting. And so, like, I kind of get why they would want to push it to 16, but also they don't seem to care about, they didn't seem to care about 16 up until this point. Yeah. I wonder if they feel like it's more important for a casual shooter, like the kind of person that would buy a kit lens, you know, for vlog type things. Sure. I don't know. Yeah, give it maybe get it a little for the for the user being able to shoot at sixteen two point eight maybe is a little more important, yeah. especially when you're turning that camera around. Do you think this is going to have OIS? It better. Their outgoing model had OIS. Well, but the difference is now most of their cameras have IBIS. Interesting. I don't know because it could probably be smaller if it didn't have OIS. I think that it would. It's it's going to be hard for this to compete. With the Sigma 18 to 50, 2.8. Yeah, I think so too. Both, I mean, price for one thing, because that is not a very, it's like a, that's a $550 lens, I think. Yeah, it's, it's super duper cheap. Mm-hmm. And you could probably pick up a used version for like less than $500. Yeah. And I, 2.8, all the way through the whole, it's like, it's not a variable zoom. It's a Sigma lens. Like I would, I would definitely give up two millimeters on the wide end to get the Sigma over this kit lens. Yeah, because of, mostly because of the aperture. Mm-hmm. And, but I guess like, it's nice to have options. Definitely nice to have options. And like if Fuji came out with a kit lens that was 18 to 52.8, what are we doing? Yeah. I think that I would have as many like annoying things to say about it as this lens that we're talking about right now. <laughs> and I think that it makes sense to like make the compromise, get it out to get it out to 16 millimeters that way for the people who need that extra width in a small travel kit size lens, now they have options. Sure. And then they're having to decide between the Sigma and the Fujifilm lens. Yeah. Yeah. I was really hoping that they would be replacing the 16 to 55 FT.8 instead. That's, that's what I want to see an upgrade for. But. I really want to see an update to that lens. Mm-hmm. I, they don't need to, they haven't updated their, their main red badge zooms. I don't think ever. And I, I would love to see them do that in the next few years. I yeah. want to like, I love I love the fifty one forty. It is such a good lens. And it's not that old, but I think it would be like they issued that firmware update to fix the focusy weird problems and with the sixteen to fifty five. And I think that the sixty fifty five has a 
Like it's a it's a really good lens. It's a very good lens. But I don't so I don't really know what they'd update for it. It resolves the 40 megapixels, but it doesn't have OIS. Maybe it doesn't need it because now most of the cameras have IBIS. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know what they would do to those lenses. Like the 50 to 140 is is very, very good. I don't think like I don't think the 16 to 55 is maybe like perfect on like like control of grand operations, maybe those sort of things. But it seems like they're still focused on getting through their primes and maybe like updating some of those older lenses first. Yeah, that's that is what it seems like. So yeah, I think this is good. They I would love to see an actual roadmap of like the lenses on it. Yeah, uh, but I got like you know, fine. I mean, we got one. It's better than zero, but one is better than zero. Yeah. Well, overall, what did you think? Did this live up to your expectations? Are you still a Fuji fan? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm still with Fuji. Like, for all of the reasons that I keep hemming and hawing about, of like the feature set that you get for the price is still super good. And despite all my complaints, I think that XH2S is still one of the most compelling hybrid cameras you can buy. And there are so many things that I would like to be better. I would like Lightroom to support Fuji RAW files better and have better demosaicing. I would like uh, the autofocus to be better for Fuji cameras. I wish that they were a little more on top of, you know, rolling out software updates and keeping older cameras up to date. Uh, but like, it's still a great camera. It's a, a pleasure to use and, you know, like really for, especially with their, their tangible stuff like the X-T5 and X-T3, like, it makes you want to go out and like take pictures with it. Yeah. And it's like really engaging. And so for all those things, like I like Fuji a lot and I've been really annoyed by how the X-H2S has felt neglected. Mm-hmm. And so it's nice to see them get the fan service out there for the X-106, but then also be like, hey, we still care about all the cameras in the previous series. Yeah. Yeah. I think that them doing the firmware updates for those older cameras was a really important part of this event and kind of renewed faith that they're not just totally dropping those cameras and just, you mm-hmm. know, just buy our new expensive thing, you know, it's nice that yep. they still are trying to bring some of those features back through the rest of the lineup. Definitely. And I mean, it's understandable that all these things are only on the newest generation of cameras. You know, at some point the the updates will stop, you know, yep. your camera gets old enough, but you know, it's, it's always been frustrating that all these cameras are like the, it's still like the latest one, you know, yeah. the XT5 is the mm-hmm. latest XT series and all that. And uh, so I'm glad they are updating those. Yeah. So like if there was an X-H2, wait, let me try again. If there was an X-H3S, I would have no expectation for them to like bring the next thing down to the X-H2, yeah. whatever. But my complaint has always been like, this is your video camera or like the X-T5 or the X-H2. X-H2 is like their premier photo camera with that yeah. 40 megapixel sensor. If those are like your these are the best of the best. Let them actually have all of the best of the best features. And I know that it's like a lot of extra work for these camera companies. And this is just not a Fuji thing. It's a lot of extra work for the camera companies to have to like keep updating the software on these things every time they bring out new features in lower tier cameras. And like it feels like Sony's the worst at it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just, I don't know. I get it like it's resources, but it feels like there's an expectation there that if you go onto their website, and you're like, well, I like, I don't know anything about cameras. I haven't, I mean, what's the camera gear podcast? And like, you're going to go buy a camera. You would think that 
like, oh, the most expensive one's going to be the best one. And it's like, ah, well, actually, if you care about this feature, that's only in the one that's $1,700, not the one that's $6,000. And you just have to, like, know that. Yeah, it makes the product lineup way too confusing. Mm -hmm. Yep. So I'm happy that Fuji is still on it and, like, getting these cameras up to date. Me too. And that was really my catch of, like, coming out of this event, if they didn't say anything about, like, hey, we're going to be bringing this new film simulation and we're going to bring some of these. If they had announced in camera, like camera to cloud for the X106 and didn't add it to any other camera. Oh yeah. That would have been really <laughs> frustrating. Be like, use your X106 in this professional workflow with camera it's to like, cloud. Make no sense. Come on. <laughs> come on guys. <laughs> so I like, they did what they had to do and yeah. I like, I think they're, they're, they're still staying afloat. Yeah. I don't think that I'm happy with it. I'm not like upset. Uh, I'm very happy with what they announced. I just, I don't think they went above and beyond. I think that like they hit the status quo, which is a kind of frustrating thing to say to people like these people are trying really, really hard and they're making really cool products. And it's like, I'm, I'm over here, armchair, yeah. camera gear, podcasting. You're over, you're over here like, yeah, you just hit the minimum bar. I'm like, yeah, that will, but like it's a competitive landscape. And it is. honestly, if like Fuji, Fuji wants to stay in the game, this is what they had to do. Yeah. And I don't think that, I don't think they blew anybody away. Like, I wasn't blown away by what they released. And I know, like, it's because I'm tracking the rumors or whatever. Yeah, I mean, same here. Like, the, the 40 megapixel sensor is definitely a notable upgrade over the 26 megapixel. But if you ignore that, everything else about it is, like, it feels like a spec bump. Yeah, it's like, here's the same camera with a different sensor and a different yeah. processor. And it's kind of like X-T30 versus X-T32, you know, where it's just, like, just a small little update. It, it really, I mean... The 40 megapixel sensor, Daniel. Well, that's that's what I'm but, saying. But also, that's, like, that's yeah, if you exception. if you ignore that, what's different? Yeah, and it's like Ibis tiltier screen. Yeah, real eyes. Mm-hmm. Yep. But that's not the case, right? They added all the, the sensor and that sort of thing. So, sure. yeah. I don't know. I think they hit the mark, and I'm I'm happy to see Fujifilm still Fujifilming. Yeah, I agree. I think they. May have said this was not the last X Summit this year. No, they've been doing them every two or three times a year. I bet yeah. we'll see another one in September. Yeah, so that's cool. It's neat that uh, there's more to expect from Fuji this mm-hmm. year. But, you know, overall, I think it was a solid update. Now we have a new firmware to look forward to. If we didn't already say, they said the firmware was going to be out sometime in spring 2024. Right, so looking forward to that on June 20th. Most likely, yep. yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so just like to close it, to wrap it all up, right? Like other things for this year for Fuji, maybe an X pro four, please an X pro four. Yeah. The latest rumor I've, I've seen says 2025 for that. But yeah. We'll see. XT 50 or 40. however they want to do it. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. And then prop maybe a GFX 52. Yeah. Those seem like the possibilities. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. All right, so that's been uh, the Fuji Film Gear podcast. <laughs> Very on brand for us. That's it for the show today. Thanks for joining us. And if you liked it, tell a friend so they can check it out too. You can find out more about the show at www.cameragearpodcast.com. And you can find us on Twitter at Camera Gear Pod. We'll be back with more next week. <laughs>